Hi, we want to welcome you tonight to Winning Wednesday. We are looking forward to an amazing time in the Lord, and we are glad that you're here with us, and we are going to have Bethany and Josh sharing with us this evening, and it's going to be a great time, and so we just wanted to welcome you to our broadcast. I don't know what you're saying. Okay. Well, it's good to have you tonight, and uh, good to see everyone. We have got some audio issues that we're dealing with, and, and uh, this has been an interesting week. Yesterday's broadcast, we were in here, and uh, it had an air condition went out, and so we were 84 degrees in here, sweat pouring off of my forehead as we began the program. Got the air condition fixed today, and running like crazy, just trying to get in, in here. And it's just like everybody else in the world. We're all running and doing all kinds of things, trying to make ends meet, and we don't know which end is up half the time. But we know that God has got everything in control, that God has everything in perspective. I want to read to you just a passage in, uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And it says, In the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had set uh, away the multitude, they took him even as he was into the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm and a wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? And how is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, in, in life, we've got troubles that come our way and issues that take place around us, but God has everything in control, but he's looking for people that have faith. He's looking for someone that can make a stand, and even though the winds are blowing, and even though the boat seems like it's filling up, and it seems as though that things are going to sink, there's a place that we become uh, plugged into God in his word and know that he's going to take care of everything even though that the ship seems like it might be sinking. And you might be in a situation today that it seems like this pandemic that we're going through has affected everything that you have tried to do in life or other situations have, have come against you and, and you uh, seem like that you're almost at a place that you could drown. But I'm here to encourage you today. God's still alive. He's still well. And what he's looking for is people that are in the boat, and even though the circumstances of life seem to be coming against them, and it seems like that it's going to overtake them, that you're able to stand up in the midst of that storm and speak to your winds, speak to the waves that are beating against your boat. Now, this illustration that Jesus is using here and the writers is using here is a, a simple area where that we know that if a boat get, takes on too much water, it's going to sink. Or if you're on the water 
and the winds come and the waves begin to rage against you, it's an uncomfortable place to be. And so our life sometimes can be an uncomfortable place. Our life could be contending against uh, storms and winds and waves. But this example tells us that we can, with faith, as Jesus asked them, he says, where is your faith? What's going on with you guys? I've been teaching you, I've been showing you, I've been, been walking with you. You should be at the place where your faith is greater than the storm. As we read the word of God, we should be growing and moving from faith to faith, from one level of victory to a greater level of victory, from one place of glory to a heavier place of glory. So when we walk with him, we should be growing every day to the point where that whatever storms may be coming in our life, we can literally begin to speak to them and those storms have to obey. You know, throughout the scripture, especially the New Testament, you begin to find Jesus talking and speaking to things. And as he speaks, things begin to change. He comes to a fig tree one day and lifts up the leaves to, to find fruit. And there's no fruit. And he curses the tree to its roots. It doesn't look like anything happens that day. But 24 hours later, when the disciples and Jesus are passing by that same fig tree is now dried up from the roots, and they're discussing this and saying, wow, what, he can speak to these things, and it changes. Mm -hmm. And everything that Jesus was doing was guiding believers to a place that they would begin to believe his word and begin to speak to their problems. You say, I've been trying to speak to my problems, but nothing's changing. Are you speaking to it by faith based upon the word of God? Because that's the difference there. And when you know the word and when the word is in you and you begin to declare the word over your problems, things are going to change. So I'm saying to you today, hang on, keep speaking the word over your life and watch and see your life begin to change as the word comes alive in your life. So these examples that we have in the Word are just that, examples for us to live by. And the Word says, and greater things shall ye do than what Christ did. And many times we look at our life because of all the problems or the failures or shortcomings that we may have, and we say, how in the world can I walk as Jesus walked? We walk one day at a time, one step at a time. And we're growing on a daily basis. This is what he was giving as an example to his disciples as they walked with him, as they fellowshiped with him. And when you fellowship with him and you walk with him in the word, things are going to change. Your faith is going to grow. It's going to, it's going to build inside of you so that you can start speaking to problems, speaking to issues, and watching those issues begin to dissolve before you. So I want to challenge you today. Study the Word, get engrossed in the Word, and allow the Word to be a part of your life so that you can start living the life that God has prepared for you to live. What do you think, Beth? I think it sounds good. That's oh. what people got to do. They got to study the Word and walk it out and grow in Him. You know, we don't want to be, um, the Word says in one place, uh, Paul writes and he says that, 
as uh, newborn babes, we need to desire the sincere milk of the word. But then it goes on to say that God expects us to mature, and we shouldn't only have a diet based on milk as a baby does, but eventually we should be able to eat the meat because of us maturing and growing. And in the th opening remarks tonight, what you've been sharing about is challenging us to grow in the word. And so that's where my mind is on that. I, I um, And I have some other scriptures I'm going to share in a little bit, but that's what I would say in response to that. <laughs> I think it's important for all of us to grow in the things of God and not be complacent and not think that just accepting Christ as your salvation is the final destination. And even though that the word begins to talk to us about eternity, we are occupying this world in this life, and we're supposed to be taking territory for the kingdom of God, which means that each one of us, we have a responsibility not to leave it for someone else to do, but for each one of us to do our part. Mm -hmm. So doing our part is loving people, sharing the gospel, ministering to people, and beginning to change their life with the Word of God. Tonight we're going to have uh, uh, some great discussion. Uh, Bethany will probably be join, joining us in a few minutes, and Josh is here with us. And Josh, you have something you want to share tonight? Um, good evening. I don't know if I want to share it. I know I need to share it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is one of those where, like, I know it's on the heart of God, but it's really hard to talk about. <clears throat> but uh, I'm just glad the devil's out of this building. I'm telling you what, last <laughs> night he showed up in this place and it was hot, boy, but we <laughs> pastor came over here and worked on it today and he kicked him right on out the building. So uh, <laughs> I tell you, I handle heat very well. And uh, last night I was in this thing and I'm like, I'm hot. And I don't really get hot, but boy, it was hot last night. So... Uh, Anyway, um, yeah, so um, it's very weird. The last, I haven't even told Bethany this, but the last two weeks or so, the dream level that I'm having has kicked up to, to an intensity. I think we go through seasons where we have dreams and then we remember dreams. Um, but the last two weeks, they've been uh, nightly dreams. And uh, one of them has kind of been this res uh, resounding theme. And I didn't even think about it until I was starting to read this today. And you know, Bethany was talking about Sam Ballot last week, and I'm going to continue in Nehemiah today because uh, I think Nehemiah is a very prophetic picture of where we're at uh, in life today. And, uh, you know, Sam Ballot, I mean, you know, if you ever got sand in your swim shorts, it's just an irritant, aggravating thing, and that's how I remember who that is. He's just an irritant, aggravating. He comes to oppose, come on, he comes to rub against what God's trying to establish and, uh, and, and sand ballot. So my wife does a great job on teaching on that. So these last two weeks, I've had two dreams with Bethany in them, and I haven't told her, but in these dreams, um, it's been her fighting against religious spirit. Uh, and, 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 and God's using her, in my mind, as a picture of the prophetic. And so what we're having is a conflict right now in, in the world for a voice of truth and a voice of system and organization is was what I, I would think I would say. How it, and, and, and I'm talking about in a religious fashion. Uh, and, and so um, it's like... I think we're at a place where, um, and we talked about this, where the prophetic has been suppressed in areas, but I think we're at a place where um, 
there are voices that are going to rise up, <clears throat> and, and, the, and the, the people of God are going to either adhere to that voice, um, or the people of God are going to continue in our ways. And so in Nehemiah, uh, verse 9, chapter 26, he said, But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn back to you. They committed awful blasphemy, so you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. Um, you know, I'm going to tell a story, and he's told it to thousands of people, and I think it's okay. Um, you know, Pastor Dino was, um, you know, was the pastor I gave my life to Christ under, and he poured a lot of fruit in me. And one thing about Pastor Dino, man, he taught me, and in my young 20s, he taught me how to read the Word of God. He taught me how to study and pray and how to have the disciplines of Christ in my life. And that has carried me today. You know, I, I typically get up early in the morning and pray. And typically by 6 a.m., I have my Bible, I have my coffee. I'm reading and praying the Word of God. And he taught me that. But there was another thing that he taught me. Uh, and, and, you know, he used this in a sermon. And this has carried me 20-something years. It and I was reading that scripture about Nehemiah, and it said, you know, they killed the prophets. Basically, when God was sending a voice into their life, they wanted to shut it down because they didn't want to listen to what God had to say to people because God's heart is always for reconciliations. God's heart is always to bring his people back to him. And, and, and it says, and, and Jesus even says, you stone the prophets. And they, and, and they say, um, you know, he said, they, they tell the Jews, the religious order today is telling Jesus that, um, he says, you know, well, Abraham's our father. And he said, well, if Abraham was your father, then you would believe in me. And he says, you know, you stone the prophets, and then there's the story of the, of the man, and he says, well, just let me go back to my family, essentially, and tell them about this place. And he said, if they wouldn't have listened to all the law and the prophets that I sent before you, they're not going to listen to you either, and so I think there's this uh, there's this spiritual warfare. Anyway, back to Dino. Uh, you know, one thing he taught me is when he was in Bible college, they used to bring ministers in, and then they would go and rip them, and have a roast, and um, and uh, and they would make fun of them and all this stuff and stuff while they were in school, and they thought it was funny. You know, just people being people. You know, and he said God almost killed me. He said, Don't you ever, ever touch my anointing. Don't you ever talk about another minister. So um, anyway, so that has stuck with me. And so anyway, Elisha leaves there. He goes out to Bethel and we see this story. And, and my, my thing is, is what I'm trying to say is there's, there are voices that God is rising up. We've got to hear his voice, but we also have to be careful when we don't agree with someone to what we say about them. Because Elijah, as soon as Elijah left, he was walking in the woods, and he called a curse down on those boys that were making fun of him. And they, 42 kids, were mauled by bears. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a real deal, and, and, and I just feel there's this contention um, in, in the spirit realm um, for the prophetic to rise up, but then there's also this contention uh, of the religious order. And so I just, um, you know, I just think as the people of God, we've got to be attentive to the word uh, of the Lord. Uh, we have to be open to new things. You know, we have to expand beyond what we've expanded beyond. We have to uh, hear his voice. And then we have to, um, we really need to get into a place of where we respect the authority that God has said throughout the church and throughout the earth.
And uh, I, I don't know why I keep having these dreams of Bethany, but she is fighting, fighting, um, <coughs> controlling religious spirits. It's almost like um, they want a church, but they don't want a move. They want to be able to assemble, but they don't want outpouring. And I keep having dreams about that. You know, it's interesting you're saying that in... in uh in scripture, Jesus goes in and uh, he went into the temple. And this is in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. And went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and, ca and the seats of them that sold doves. Now, we, we, we look at that from one perspective. But in our society today, um, there are more, some people are more interested in what's coming in versus what they're putting out. Right. And he goes on in this passage, and, and, and he said unto them, it is written, my house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I, I think that a religious group is more interested in what they can get than what they're producing or giving. And as a result of it, we don't have the moves of God that takes place in the, in the church today the way it needs to be. And so the example of that is he dealt with that, and then the people that were blind. It's, it's interesting how that religious people gather people around that are blind that can't see, they, can't, they don't understand what's going on. And now the, the blind go to Jesus and he heals them. And I think it's a, very, it's a, it's a parallel, it's kind of like a metaphor, if you will, uh, of um, dealing with that religious spirit. And then the blinders come off of people and now they're able to walk in the realms of the spirit instead of being controlled by a religious facade. Yeah, I mean, uh, Isaiah talks about the veil over people's hearts, and then he would take that out, and you know, and the eyes, and that he would give a you know a heart of flesh versus a heart of stone, and and I think that's really in a spiritual atmosphere where we're at um, globally in the church, and it's like, are we going to follow complete um, religious order, or are we going to allow the King of Kings to come in and God to move? You know, I, I say this, you know, they took. The Ten Commandments, and, you know, scholars will say they made over 600 laws on the people. And, 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 and so instead of church becoming a place of healing, instead of the synagogue becoming a place of worship, instead of the synagogue becoming a place of rest, come on, God desires rest for his people and a place of refreshment uh, and, and meeting with his people, it became burdensome. And that's why Jesus started coming in and saying, take upon my yoke, learn from me. He, what he's saying is what man has taught you has weighed you down. And this is not what the Father has designed for you. And so I just feel that there's going to be a shift. Sometimes in our mind, I think we, I think is, um, is more um, 
discipline, like dogmatic in our faith, like if we do this, this, and this, and this, we're going to be closer to God, but that's not really it. That doesn't get you there. That gives you knowledge, right, which you can then have wisdom and insight into certain things, but we're blessed in our being, just being with the Father, and, and you know, in the story of Mary and Martha, and, and one's running around and serving all the time, and the other one's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's upset with her sister, but Jesus is like, hey, this is the greater thing. She is sitting in my presence. And so sometimes it's not just, um, I think sometimes the, the world will teach us if we just do more for God, if we just do more for God, I'm going to have more of God, but that's not really true. Mm-hmm. If we spend more time with God, then we will have more God. And, and, and I just think, um, I, just, I, I don't know why I keep going back to this, but it's this, this re- recurring dream that I see. And, and, and what I see is... Um, is that when we get into that vein, that religious order vein, process-oriented vein, it very much captivates us into a process and we don't live in true freedom. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of the wars that we see are, are really based off of religion, not off of uh, true move of God's spirit. And I think what we're seeing that's taking place in our world today is based on a disappointment of what the church has produced and hasn't brought people into the place of miracles and healings. You know, obviously in the, in the New Testament, the first century church had its issues, it had its problems, it had its conflict with people, and the religious crowd was trying to stop a move of the Spirit, trying to stop a move of what God wanted to do. And I believe that's what what is taking place in our society today, is there is an outpouring of God's Spirit, but but I also believe that it is being interfered with by by people that don't want the presence of God, doesn't want, and I'm not talking about just the church, I'm I'm talking about the world system, but you get a lot of that, that infiltrates into the church, and it becomes religious, we, we can go through the songs, we can go through the, uh, the chants, if you will, and, and there's still no relationship. Right. This is not about religion, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah, it's a very rehearsed, almost in many lives, it's a very rehearsed process. But I believe this, and, and I was praying, I was like, God, I don't really want to talk about this tonight. I mean, people have been through so much, I want to come with like this joyful word and start to prophesy the, the triple back camels showing up and dropping money off at your house and stuff like this. But he's like, no, this is important because if we don't get this right, if we can't break free from that, they will never fully enjoy the blessing of God. And, and what I think is, is that God has taken his bride right now and he's really doing a, a, a makeover of us. Come on. And he, and, and it's like a woman going to get a facial. Come on. When we come out of this place, come on, our hair is going to be looking good. Our face is going to be looking good. There's going to be no spot, no wrinkle, or any such mark. Uh, and, and so there's a remaking of the bride of Christ. And, uh, and and it's really awesome because as we get closer to to the, to the wedding day of being joined with Jesus you know, in the purification, 
God is going to release more into his church because he can trust us with it. Amen. He doesn't, he doesn't have lack at all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He right. owns all the gold. He, own, he owns everything. But where the lack has been has been within sight of us. And, and so I think that there's a remake of that going on. But there's a contention right now. Uh, in, in people's lives, in everyone's life, there's choices that we have to make. And, and I'm talking about a spiritual aspect. It's like, oh, are we going to follow the religious order? Are we going to follow the way of sensationalism that says that, you no, know, the, the, the miracles and stuff stop with the book of Acts and those are just to encourage us today, but we have to live out a religious order life? Or are we going to follow the wind of the Holy Spirit that's coming, that's trying to bring revival uh, into the nation, uh, try to uh, into this world, trying uh, not just the nation, the world god is after a global harvest um is it are we going to allow the miracles to flow are we going to have faith for the greater works uh and and, and i feel that like we've got to get faith not just read the bible and say well yeah god can do that but can do you believe that god can use you to do that and i think that's a very uh defining moment that we're seeing in the church um uh, you know church members do you believe that you can lay hands on and pray for someone and see them heal? Do you believe that God still speaks through prophets? Come on. Do you believe that God is raising up apostles? Do you believe that there's intercessions that can go into places and, and, and into, into prayer rooms and start to change the outcome of things? Come on. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have to start to believe again that the Spirit of God is alive, that when you're at your desk, when you're at your office, when you're in your car, wherever you may be, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. God is with you. And, and I just feel this call that it's not a mental thing and it's not, um, it's not an educational thing, but it's a faith thing. And if we can connect their faith to the Spirit of God and then we speak forth in the atmosphere what the Spirit is telling us, it will literally change our surroundings and things around us. Absolutely. It's all about a relationship. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a place where that I believe that God's calling the church to grow up to mature and uh, to go forward. You know, um, I, I think I've said that a couple of weeks ago, you know, the church, we're, we're in a growing phase, right? And, 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 and the growing is not always the funnest time. Mm -hmm. You know, when you raise children and they get teenagers, come on, every parent says it, like, my sweet little kid, I don't know what happened to them. And, and it's in that process uh, mm -hmm. that is tough. It's tough. And it'll test the father, it'll test the child, it'll test the mother, it'll test the child. But it's in that process that they learn adult life skills forever. You know, I, I, my son, he'll, he say, he'll say, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. Yeah. And uh, I think too many times we look at them as being children all the time, but they're growing. They're growing. And we have to put into their life. You know, in, in, the, in the rest of this passage here, verse 15, it says, and when the chief priest, scribes, and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, talking about Jesus opening the eyes of the blind, and the children crying in, in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. They were angry because Jesus, was, Jesus had come in and he was performing miracles and he was actually showing them up what they should have been doing all the time. Uh, the, the church today, and, 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 and we can say, okay, the church is not the building, the church is the individual, I agree with that. But at the same time, when the church gathers together in a building, 
there should be the manifestation of God's power coming, coming into the services. And, and in verse 16, it says, and, and said unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left, he left them and went out of the city into, the, into Bethany and lodged there. Now, this story in, actually begins to depict where the church is today. Even though we see in the, in the New Testament the story laying out. But many places they're not moving in the realms of the Spirit. We're looking for the greatest gimmick. We're looking for the greatest additive or whatever we can have to make something work. And we're, we're more interested in putting uh, um, people in seats than we are getting the people that are in the seats delivered and set free so that they will do the things that they need to do as a believer. And Jesus is setting an example here. He said, my house is going to be a house of prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer will change your life. Prayer, prayer will bring you into the presence of Almighty God when, when nothing else will bring you there. Prayer, prayer will bring you into a place of understanding what God wants and what he wants to perform. Prayer will also bring you to a place that you spiritually are changed and you move to a higher level. So it's not just reading the word, but it's, it's reading the word and praying yes. that now begins to bring you to that place. We can have all the head knowledge in the world about the word, but if we have no prayer life, then all of that is not going to do us very much good. It'll do us some good, but it's not going to be what God intended for it to be without us having a prayer life. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I was raised Methodist, so um, you know, I can say this, and no one could get mad at me because this was what I, my denomination. Amen. But uh, John Wesley, he, uh, John Wesley, met the Moravians on the way to the United States, and he said, "I've never seen people with such passion of prayer." And you know, Moravian Falls is in North Carolina. They had a prayer movement. I've been talking to you about Moravian Falls. They had a prayer movement for 100 years. 100 years, someone was praying. They had two people on the clock, 24 hours a day, and they would rotate out in this building, and that lasted for 100 years. Was there not a moment where someone was praying, and it didn't cease? But anyway, John, he met them, and he was so inspired. And so John Wesley started the Methodist denomination uh, in which I was raised. And he would not ordain a minister into the Methodist um, denomination unless they fasted and prayed at least three days a week. Now, you see in the, uh, their symbol on the cross, they have the cross with the flame of fire, and they believed in the gifts and the spirits and all that. But today, what I'm talking about is the method that was established by the leader of the denomination had the move of the spirit, but it, the, the, the method never kept the move of the Spirit all these years. Now, they believe in God. They sing the symbols and stuff, the, the psalms and stuff like that, uh, and hymns, but they don't believe in the actual, like, laying of hands and speaking of tongues and things like that and the Pentecostal stuff, right? But at one time, that very denomination was formed in that, but the method couldn't keep the Spirit. No, there, there's no method to God. There's no method to God. It's different for everybody. He speaks to all three of us at this table in a different way. There's no exact formula to God. And man, I think, has been for years and years trying to find a formula for God. The only formula to get to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
and then from that it becomes an individual relationship uh, and so um, and I think we have to learn that so in that re in that individual relationship in order to learn about him we study the word in order to relate with him we pray if 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 we're wanting to develop relationship uh, as friends uh, then we're gonna have to spend time together talking conversing finding out what you like finding out what I like find out what each of us don't like and and what our philosophies are so we have to have that dialogue back and forth we can't learn about each other just sitting in a room not speaking the same thing with God we can't have a relationship with God without talking to God and then without listening to him it has to be it's a two-way street and so in our relationship or developing that relationship we study the word we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life and begin to teach us of the Father now, what do you mean by that? What I mean is that as we're reading the Word, the Holy Spirit now brings His influence into our life to help reveal to us what the Word is saying to us in that moment. And then we, then we take that and build our faith with that. But then we start having our, our prayer time, our quiet time, if you will, and I, and and. A quiet time, I don't think a, a quiet time really applies here in this because if you're praying, you can't be quiet. If you develop in that relationship, you're not just sitting there, you're actually talking to God. So there's that interaction. And then there's that listening. There's that moment that you become quiet, but you're listening to what he has to say. And he speaks to us with impressions. He speaks to us with his word. He, he reminds us of a word that we have studied, and he begins to communicate to us in that, in that form and fashion. The more the word that you understand or, 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 or get a hold of it, the easier it is for you to be able to hear the voice of God as he begins to speak to you. And so we develop our relationship with him. Instead of becoming religious where we're chopping people's heads off, you know, where we're, and I'm not talking literally, I'm talking about being, being ugly to people. And, and there's a lot of religious people that are ugly to people. And there's a lot of religion or religious people that run people off from church. But we want to love people. We want to love people into the kingdom and allow them to understand the love that Christ has for us and the love that God has for us. And so we become that instrument, that living epistle that people actually read our lives and say, you know what, there's something about that individual that's different than others. But if we go around <laughs> chewing people out all the time, that doesn't attract people. So we love people. We, we, we're patient with people. We're tolerant, tolerant with people. And, and, um, and sometimes that tests us where we are in our walk, you know? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know... Um, we don't get that honor to really say what are, are that judgment over someone, right? We have to love them no matter what. But, you know, the Word of God says, blessed is the man whose sins are not, you know, or transgressions are not held against him. And David writes that. And, you know, um, I, I, you know I just say that um, I think we're in a, um, we've been in a, 
whether we know it or not, we've been in a spiritual warfare season for quite some time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think many people in the body of Christ are tired. I know there's days when I get tired, and it seems like when uh, everything started to change with Corona, it's gotten it's intensified, and there's this, um, you know, there's this spirit just to want us to lull us into, um, you know, order and just to do these things. But the the spirit of God is trying to fan the flame in people. And he's trying to revive people and trying to uh, set ablaze what's left. And, you know, um, you know, I tell this story, and, and this is true, is I, when I was in the military and I was in officer school, I was in, and I'll wrap up with this, and I was uh, in, in this location. Um, I've never been before in Salina, Kansas, uh, where the big red Division One is. And uh, I'm, I'm out there in the middle of the woods at midnight by myself doing the nighttime land navigation course. And all I had on me was a compass, a map, and a red flashlight. And in the military, just if you don't know, we use red lenses because if you use white lens and you're in war, you can see that so far away. So we dull the light so it's real dark, you can't see. Uh, and even more so, um, you get underneath your poncho when you turn the light on so that you maintain complete light. We call it sound and light discipline so that you don't give away your location. And, and so here I am. I had to march or walk four or five miles through the middle of the woods and the rolling hills in a place I've never been in the middle of the night and actually find points and write down the number on that stick that was in the ground so that when I came back in and I turned my stuff in, they knew I went to every point. And so here, here's what I'm saying is I was never there, but I had a compass and if I could have a compass and I could have a map, then I could draw my azimuth and I could get to the point. And then I could count the paces and I knew where I was going and I knew how far I was going and I could tell by the hills and line. Same thing, if we allow the, the Holy Spirit, come on, to be our compass and we open up the Bible like a map, it doesn't matter if you've been in that territory before, God will walk you through that place uh, and he will get you to point A to point B to point C to point D all the way to your destination. That's good. Good analogy. That's very good. Have you have something you want to share? I do. I'd like to share with you for a little bit tonight out of Psalms 116. And I'd like to read a few verses here. I'm going to read them to you out of a couple of different translations. Uh, what the Lord's put on my heart tonight um, is not 100% parallel with what has been being shared. But that's one of the awesome things about the diversity of having all of us shared together. And I tell you what, I'm going to shift right now. Uh, Bethany was able to join us. We're going to go ahead and let Bethany share. And then, and then if I have an opportunity, I'll share it later. And if not, I'll save it for another week. All right. All right. Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Um, my little boy is not necessarily wanting me to, he's wanting to play right now with me. <laughs> so uh, we're taking turns at the moment um, watching him. But I am, I've been, enjoying hearing the discussion tonight um, about uh, various things about the prophetic, about uh, coming against religious spirits and things, and anxious to hear what Pastor Bev and also what Pastor Brown have to say. Uh, I, I'm not going to be long. I just want to share uh, three points with you. I want to talk about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And um, I'm just going to read a little bit to you and um, and just a few verses, starting with verse 1. And it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. 
And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the public publicans. Publicans, sorry. Um, he and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus, who he who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. So here is Zacchaeus. He is wanting to see Jesus, and you know he. he the Bible describes him of little stature. And so a lot of us, you know, we're teaching Bo that song. My mom was teaching him this week about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, you know, to Jesus he wanted to see. And so that's what he was. He was desperate. He was hungry to see Jesus. And so um, I'm going to go pick, up, pick back up in verse 4. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. So he knew the route that Jesus was going to come. And uh, verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be, get, to be a guest with a man that was a sinner, saying, criticizing Jesus, saying that, what is Jesus doing? You know, uh, he's going to go hang out with a, with a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so here you have, you know, Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. How many of you love tax collectors, right? He is a chief <laughs> tax collector. And you know he was despised um, by, by other people. And tax collectors, they are despised. And they were in that day despised um, as traitors. And as being corrupt, they were, that was, you know, in, in that day and time, and they were looking at Zacchaeus as a, a corrupt man, as a traitor. And um, that's kind of the general consensus of the people, you know, of their perception of him, whether it be true or not. And so he desired to see Jesus, but he couldn't see him over the crowd. So he ran and climbed up to a different place. And so this is where I'm going tonight, is I'm saying that, you know, we have to become in such a place of desperation that we need to do, we need to make the effort to climb, to to whatever, we, to jump up in a tree or whatever that we have to do to get the attention of Jesus. And that's where Zacchaeus was, is that he was so desperate. He knew that he needed a visitation of Christ in his home, and he knew that he needed needed the savior and so he did whatever it took and so that's that's um, what I want to share uh, about is that there was you know as we see in the verse I read earlier that he ran you know Zacchaeus ran and then he climbed and then he went to a sycamore tree and just to break that down is that of course running means acceleration there was an acceleration it's not just walking you know there's walking and then there's running but when we run there's an accelerated walk going on right there you know not even power walk you know it's better than power walk and um, there's acceleration and there's effort and work that took, pl took place as he climbed you know it, and it, to experience the presence of Jesus in our life it's, we ha there is an effort that's on our part that we have to, um, to, to 
begin to run, to begin to climb, to go to a higher place in elevation, to go to an elevated place, another level in Christ, to be able to have that visitation um, from him, to go, you know, sycamore, uh, of course, is a tree, but that, that represents elevation. And so we have to position ourselves to achieve that state of elevation. So where are you in your life? Where are you right now? Are, are you in a stale place spiritually right now? Are you at a place where you feel stagnant? You feel like you love Christ? You know that you would still, if you were to die today, you know that you would go to, go to heaven? That may be the case, but maybe you don't have that passion anymore. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is the very thing that begins to cause that passion. We, you know, the Word begins to talk to us about that we fan the flame. You know, that we have a responsibility. This is also talking about relating it to what I'm kind of sharing tonight is that there's something to do on our part. You know, there's sometimes that every day I may not feel the presence of the Lord in my house or whatever because I'm focused on something else, but I know he's there. And there's times that I can kick into that realm of the spirit realm to fan the flame, to cause, a, you know, to run and to climb to a different level because I know Christ is coming and I want to get his attention. And so that's what we have to be. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, Every person, myself, all of us, we have and will go through dry seasons. We will go through seasons where we feel like, well, God, where are you? But it's by faith. See, our relationship with Christ is by faith. And there are things that we have to do to begin to rekindle, to begin to push to the next level. And a lot of times Christians just get comfortable um, with not making that extra effort. You know, I heard years ago um, a, a lady that had served in ministries for years, several ministries for years, a very faithful lady, and um, she began to tell me that, well, I've, I've already paid my dues, and um, I don't really need to do anything or serve any particular part. I'm just going to come to church. And you know what? I, I can't handle that very well. <laughs> because there is, if we have life in us and if we have breath in us and I'm not saying that it's going to be the same things you know uh, serving in ministry departments that you did before but I'm saying there's always something that we can do regardless of whatever we've served and 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 and, and when we get to that place of just I'm comfortable just to come to church and that's it you know that shows that there's some people that are just they're becoming acclimated to their environment. They're not pushing out of that comfort zone. And so when I look at Zacchaeus, he was pushing beyond his comfort zone. And, I, and that really inspires me because we've got to come to a place, you know, uh, of that. And, and so um, that, that's my first point tonight is elevation. To get to the next place that God has for us, to have a visitation of the Lord, um, to have that experience with Christ. We, number one, we have to position ourselves for elevation. We have to do it. We always wait for somebody else to come and try to bring us up out of the place that we're in. But that's, that's something that's required of us. We have to position ourselves. He ran. He climbed and up a sycamore tree. You know, that is a representation of us is that not that we need to climb a tree necessarily in the natural, but it shows us an example, spiritual application of things that we need to do to get, to have that visitation from Christ. And so... Um, the place of elevation is acquired by those who tirelessly put in effort. The place of elevation is acquired by those who tirelessly put in effort. Are you putting in effort? Did you invest time already today? Okay, it's 7.50 p.m. Central Time right now. Today. Throughout this day so far, have you already invested time with Jesus? Have you already positioned yourself and made time to spend with him? And if not, then, then we need to reevaluate 
something, reevaluate something in our schedule, in our life, to make him a priority, to make him a priority in our life. Because when we, that place of elevation, it's acquired by those that don't give up that we always make that effort, even when we're exhausted, even when we don't feel like it, you know, that we're going to, we're committed, you know. Um, once we arrive at that place of elevation, that's when we encounter Jesus. When we, when we go into that higher place, just like Zacchaeus did, he went to the higher place, that is when we have that experience with Christ. And, and, and that's what I want to challenge us to, is that are we making that time, are we making that effort, are we just comfortable are we just comfortable where we are? Are we just comfortable with the same old, same old? I'm just comfortable just tuning in online or, and not really doing anything on my own, but I'm just dependent upon the pastors or whoever the minister is to feed me spiritually, but on my own, I'm not really going to make that effort. And that's what... With, that's where we have to, we have to, it, you know, if we're wanting to see all the promises that God has for us, there's something that's required of us to do. Is that making sense? And um, so... God does not deliver us into a place of elevation. But elevation is where we must diligently work to arrive in our life. It's a constant thing that we are constantly wanting to go to a next place. How do we do that? How do we go? It's by reading our word. It's by spending time with him by reading our word. It's by spending time in prayer. You know, if you, if you have your heavenly language, you need to dedicate a certain amount of time a day to pray in your heavenly language. If you haven't received the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's already in you. When you accept Jesus Christ in your life, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come in you. And if that has not manifested, the Holy Spirit, um, you haven't received your heavenly language, I'm believing that that's going to happen for you because that just brings your faith and your elevation to a whole nother level in Christ. And, and, but we have to make sure that we are, are we doing these checklist things? Are we giving, praying and fasting as in Matthew? And also again in Mark, where Jesus begins to tell the disciples that these are the duties of every believer, giving, praying and fasting. That's expected. That's understood. If we're a believer, if we bear Christ's name, it is understood and should be evident to everybody around us that we are giving, praying and fasting. You know, and so not just, of course, we always, you know, I, I'm very comfortable in, and I believe in teaching about financial giving. And I find that those who have a problem with it, those are the ones who are not giving and not are, are not are um, are not complying with what Christ has commanded for us to do. Right. So I don't have an issue with talking about the finances, but it's not only talking about finances. It's talking about even giving of your time, you know, giving of your time in the kingdom. Uh, the second thing is, is visitation. The second, the first point was elevation is that we are required to make that effort to go to a higher place. The second point I want to make is talking about a visitation. And um, Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus from his place of desperation. You know, I, miracles are birthed in seasons of desperation. That, that atmospheres are pregnant with miracles when people become expectant and they become desperate for a move of God. And I believe that where we are right now as a body of Christ, the atmosphere is pregnant for miracles because there are so many people that are in desperate situations. When we read over the words, over the, over the Bible and all of the, the, the stories that have taken place, um, the real life stories that, that we can go back and relate to in our life, there were always times of gloom and doom and despair, right? And then Jesus raised up a deliverer every time. And then there was a miracle. There were miracles. There were things that turned around. And so that makes me excited to know that there are miracles that are happening. And I believe for that. And, and that's, and that's a visitation is coming. I believe that that's, that's happening, but there's something that's required of us is, is we've got to make the effort 
go to a higher level, then position ourselves for that visitation. And so, um, sorry, I got sidetracked. When Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus in the tree from his place of de desperation, the place of elevation, and told him to come down. He said, for today I must abide at thy house. He's talking about salvation. You know, uh, Jesus, that's, that's, basic, that's what Jesus is talking about. He said, I'm coming to live in your house. Don't you want Jesus to live in your house? You know, even those of us that maybe we have already accepted Christ as our Savior, but I'm believing even that there, there may be those of you who are tuning in tonight that maybe you have not um, asked Christ into your house, into your temple, into your life. And, and I, I'm telling you, it's the best decision that you'll ever make. You know, all of the things that we go through in life, being a Christian, being a believer, does not mean that I don't go through problems. It doesn't mean that any of us in this building who are believers, that we don't go or face hardships in this life. What it means is I have the ammunition to defeat every enemy that comes my way. Amen. It means that's the difference between a non-believer and a believer. We're going to, believers, of course, that means that we're going to heaven, amen? Um, but it also means that God has equipped me, and with him, with him on my side, I'm going to win. I'm going to overcome in every situation. So Jesus is going, he says, I'm come down, because I'm, I'm going to visit your house today. And Jesus wants you to come down he sees you where you're at. He sees you in your place of desperation, and he's ready to come to your house. He's ready to visit your house. He's ready to bring healing to you. He's ready to uh, minister to that, that child that's gone astray. He's ready to turn things around. He's ready to heal your body. He's ready to bring around, uh, you know, financial turnaround in your life. Whatever it is that you need, he is our Savior, and he saves us from everything. Amen? And so... Um, you know, the religious crowd, they were critical of Jesus, as we read earlier. Um, and they began, um, you know, they were critical of Jesus and saying, you know, you can't go to his house because he's a sinner. You know, you, you can't do that. And they were critical of him. But Jesus came to save who? The lost. Jesus came to save the lost. So naturally, he went to the lost and mingled with them in order to win them. And Zacchaeus excuse me, and Jesus honored Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus came down and received Jesus. You know, I, I, it's, it's a difference between a believer. We are to reach out to sinners, but we're not to act like sinners. You know, and some people have used that and twisted that to, um, so that they can still have their sin going on, um, you know, to go and, and uh, hang out with the sinners, but and then also to act like them. You know, we are um, in this world... We're not of this, you know, like, what am I trying? I'm misquoting that. I apologize. I'm trying to say that, you know, that we are in this world, but we are not of this of world. world. There we go. Uh -huh. Thank you. Meaning that we are set apart, you know. We are, we are set apart from the things, meaning that we're not so, we don't need to be so religious that we can't reach out to somebody because they're not a Christian. No, because that's what Christ came for. He came for the lost. And when we read in the, in the word, it's very clear that Jesus was, he was rough with the church. He was loving towards the sinner because the church, there was so much corruption. There was so much religion. There was so much all of that, you know. And so he was, you know, with the Pharisees and Sadducees, all of that. That's what I'm making reference to is that he brought correction to them and, um, and was very stern with them. But in every aspect we see of the woman at the well, you know, um, I mean, every, every story of Christ, when he, he reached out to sinners in love. And that's what we are to do. We are to reach out. We don't need to preach at them and say, you're doing this wrong. You know, we are just to be the fishers of men 
and we don't even have to tell them how to live, all of that stuff. We, we teach, we allow the Holy Spirit to clean them, right? We, we don't need to be condemning people. We don't need to, uh, we just need to love people into the kingdom. And you know what? The Holy Spirit and Jesus, they're going to, and God, Father, the Trinity is going to work on them as they yield to the Lord and is going to clean them, right? From the inside out. And, um, Anyway, so your place of elevation will diminish the volume of your critics because it didn't matter to Zacchaeus what they were saying at that moment. You know, the, the critics, they were, let the critics say whatever they want to say about you, about all, you know, whatever. Let them say what they want to say. What does it matter? In Zacchaeus' eyes at that moment, what does it matter what they say? In Jesus' eyes, what does it matter what they say? Because, you know, Zacchaeus is like, I'm getting, an, I'm having an encounter with Christ. I came, what I came for, I'm leaving with. I'm leaving with a visitation. And so, you know, in your place of desperation, people are going to be critical of that. People are going to be critical of your place of elevation. When you get that raise, when you write that book, when you write that song, whatever it is that God has called you, that you're going to a higher place. Anytime you go to a higher level, the critics will come out of the woodwork. But you have to stay focused. And that's our series this whole month is about focus. We've got to focus on, on Christ. We've got to focus that Jesus is coming. Jesus is, I need a visitation from the Lord. I need a visitation for him to come to my house to heal me. And so Zacchaeus was so focused on an encounter with Christ that the voices of the critics were drowned out by his hunger pains. Come on, we've got to get to a place of desperation that it doesn't matter what people say anymore. It doesn't matter what people post on social media or that, that may be coming, that may be a target to me or, or, or whatever. I'm just using relative scenarios. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say because when you get to that place of hunger and desperation for Jesus, it causes the volume of the critics that you don't even... You're not even bothered by him anymore. How desperate are you? I want to ask you, how desperate are you for a visitation of Jesus? Because he sees your hunger. He sees your, your desperation. He sees your efforts. And I'm telling you that we are going to experience, I believe that even right now, there's somebody that's tuning in that you are in physical pain right now and you are needing healing. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm believing right now that the Holy Spirit is visiting the room that you're tuning in at right now and healing you, that the Holy Spirit is filling that room and bringing healing to your physical body in Jesus name. In Jesus name, we come in agreement for that. We thank you, Lord, that you would drive out sickness, that you came to save the lost, God. And by, even when you crucified willingly, God, you allowed, uh, you know, your son to be crucified and it by his stripes that we are healed. We are healed now in Jesus name. We thank you for that. The third part I want to share here, and then I'm closing it uh, from my portion is transformation. There was a transformation. So we talked about elevation, that we've got to work to a higher place elevation. We talked about um, a visitation, that we have to be hungry enough for visitation. Jesus is going to come to our house. We've got to be hunger, hungry, even enough that the, the critics, it doesn't matter what the critics say. And the third and final point is transformation, is that a visitation from Jesus brings transformation. When he walks into the room, everything changes. Everything changes. My fears go. 
my tears are wiped away or maybe I maybe maybe not because sometimes in his presence all you can do is just cry right sometimes you just you don't know what to do you just you know you just are overwhelmed but when he walks into our room into our home into our life everything begins to change there are attitudes that begin to change. The way that we speak begins to change. The way that we act, the way that we conduct ourselves, the, the things that we watch or listen to begins to change because he's in the room. And, and, and you know, can you imagine that Zacchaeus, man, he left with what he wanted. He wanted a visitation from Christ, so he positioned himself. You know, and that, and that shows us that when we position ourselves for a place, a higher place, when we make that effort to go higher, that Jesus sees our faith and he sees our efforts, and that's when the visitation is coming. Oh, man. And then following after that is the transforma transformation. Many, never, many may never experience transformation because they have never made the effort to elevate themselves. They're just happy just coming to church. They're just happy tuning in online, getting their quick fix in of the message and thinking that's, that's good enough. And they never experience the fullness and, and everything that Christ has because we have to make that effort for that transformation to become complete within us, you know? And, and, Many may never experience that because they have never made that effort to elevate themselves, to work diligently, to go to a higher place. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm all I'm a all for all or nothing kind of gal. I'm I'm a passionate. You know, if I'm gonna cook something, it's gonna you know I'll, some of some of my friends they'll put your foot in it. You know, and uh, because it tastes good, you know, or whatever. Or I'm gonna try to. I mean, I'm gonna try my best. Maybe I think it tastes good. Maybe other people don't. But I'm gonna do my. I'm gonna do a put a hundred percent in whatever I'm doing. And 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 that's just you know. And God wants us to to just put some effort in into that relationship to experience the fullness, to experience the fullness of what He has that transformation to work diligently to go to a higher place. You know, they are comfortable. This kind of these kind of people or Christians or believers or individuals, they're comfortable with standing just in the crowd. We know Jesus is coming. We're just going to, you know, come in the crowd. But I'm not really interested in making that effort. You want to climb in that tree? Really? To make that kind of effort that he will notice me? That he will notice me and my efforts? Some people are just comfortable with just staying in the crowd. But people that, that are passionate and hungry and desperate, they're going to make an effort to get the attention of Christ. And, you know, people like that, that are just comfortable, they're just staying in the crowd, they're knowing that Jesus is near, but they will not engage in any work or effort to actually encounter him. They will act and look and appear as if they really encountered him, encountered an experience with him, Right? But they're comfortable with that. You know, I, I'm not comfortable with just being in the crowd and just knowing that he's coming by. I want, I want him to come to my house. I want a visitation. I want the transformation of Christ. Knowing that Jesus is in the room uh, should not be our stopping point. Knowing that Christ is on his way should not be our stopping point. No, we should not be content just knowing that Jesus is coming and we know the route that he's coming. That should not be our stopping point. We must desire to catch his attention. And I want to ask you tonight, are you 
diligently trying to catch the attention of Christ. Because, oh, what a transformation. What a transformation that is. And I, I'm just really touched right now. I don't know why I'm crying. But we got to get to that place of desperation. We can't be satisfied with just the crowd experience. Are you desperate? And that's what I just feel the Holy Spirit saying tonight is, are you hungry for me? Will you make the effort? Will you make the effort to go to the next place? Will you make the effort? You know, we just want, like, we think a magic trick or something, you know, and that everything's going to be fine. You know, <laughs> I go to church and it's, you know, and, but we fail to think that there's, there's an effort on our part. And I just am grieved for whatever reason right now. I just feel that in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is saying is that, are you, are you desperate? Are you hungry? Are you hungry enough? Are you hungry for me to make the efforts, to make those efforts for a visitation? And, you know, knowing, as I was just saying before I burst out crying, is that, you know, knowing that Jesus is in the room, it should not be enough for us. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that we are just content just knowing that he's in the room. But we want his attention we want, to, we want to do whatever we have to do to get his attention, to have that visitation, to come to our house, going to church, but not actually entering into the atmosphere in order to be transformed. You know, we've got to enter into that atmosphere. You know, I understand, and we talked about this last week, and I'm not going into that, and I, I am closing my portion just in a few moments, but, you know, we recently shared statistics of people that during the pandemic have that have you know during the pandemic till now the stats prove that one in three Christians no longer attend in person or online. I understand that there are some people due to physical issues they can't and you know being cautious and wise and hey you know what God's given us wisdom so I'm not coming against that and if you interpret that then you are not listening to me. But what I'm trying to say is that we have, to have, we have to have wisdom. I'm not coming against people who can't come in person because of physical issues. But what I'm saying is, I feel like a lot of us during this time have become acclimated to the crowd atmosphere. And we have no longer been passionate to climb up a tree. <laughs> we have no longer, we have lost our passion to do what it takes. Yeah to receive the atmosphere of miracles. We have become content with the crowd. I know that Jesus is coming. I know that this is the route, but I'm not going to make efforts. You know, and those who physically are able to go out, that go, you know, to the gym and go to Walmart, go this and that, whatever, what have you, they have no reason for you not to be in church. And if you're offended, I'm sorry, it's because you're guilty. And, and the, the, this is our priorities, our priorities. And, and we wonder why things in our life are not, why is, and we want to cry about everything. But we're being acclimated to the crowd experience. And we have, we have become exactly what the enemy has tried to do to the church is to lull us to sleep. We have allowed that lullaby to lull us to sleep. 
And we have, we have made other things a priority. And we have not made our first love the priority. But yet we want to be the first one to call all the intercessors when something's not going right. But we're not making the effort. We're not, we're not making the efforts and going and climbing up the tree. And, and, and we want to put on speed dial, you know, whoever it is that we think is, is, is the best prayer warrior. <laughs> Stop trying to prostitute somebody else's elevation for your own good. Right. You have the ability to tap in and to go to a higher place to experience the visitation, to experience that transformation, just like Zacchaeus, just like Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus told Jesus, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Fourfold shows change of heart. Fourfold. That word right there, it, it is talking about, and, that, and that, that's, that's so amazing to me, is that just the visitation, you know, God, if there's anything in my heart that's not right, change it. Change me. Expose it to me. Expose it to me. But that doesn't happen until we make effort. It's not going to happen until, and our hearts will not be changed until we make that effort to experience and to get his attention. And it was after that moment Jesus then told him that salvation has come to your house. He also reminded Zacchaeus of his identity, that he was the seed of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what Jesus said. Jesus doesn't correct Zacchaeus for his greed <laughs> or being a thief. Jesus did not say a word about his wrongdoing, but he honored Zacchaeus. Honor is what changes the heart of a sinner. When we honor people, even in the body of Christ, if, if another believer has, you know, fallen, <laughs> sadly, the church wants to crucify them rather than honor yeah. and love and love them back into the kingdom. Why? Why is that? Could it be that the very ones who want to kick other brothers and sisters when they're down have sin in their life that they don't want exposed? Mm. Let's not talk about that. But Jesus honored Zacchaeus from his position of elevation. And the motion of honor is what changed the heart. Are you honoring those in your life? It doesn't mean we're honoring the sin. We honor the individual and the person, not the sin. And because we honor and love one another, it actually will change the heart of somebody. It will change their heart. And so once Zacchaeus changed his heart, Jesus reminded himself of his identity. Those who are lost are truly lost because they don't know their identity in Christ. Once you know who you are in Christ, you are no longer lost. Honor is often what brings the lost into the kingdom. Bill Johnson, I'll quote him. He says, honor brings out people's identity. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Due to Jesus honoring Zacchaeus, he found purpose for his prosperity. Jesus is mostly concerned about you knowing your Christ identity, your purpose. Because if you know your purpose, you become empowered. So, so last thing, I promise. Um, 
Zacchaeus, I always, you know me, if you ever hear me teach about anything, I'm going to study every word, every name, every tree, every whatever. You know, there's <laughs> going to be some kind of prophetic meaning. But Zacchaeus, his name means clean, innocent, and pure. His lifestyle did not portray that until he had that visitation to pull out the identity within him. Christ's motion of honor to a sinner caused Zacchaeus' transformation to live out his identity. In an instant, Zacchaeus's identity changed from being a thief to innocent. And just, mo just one moment <laughs> with the Lord will change our identity to our God identity, our Christ identity. It'll change us from being corrupt to good, uh, from a criminal to being pure. Christ brought out his purpose. And so as I close on my portion, I just want to ask, are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry for him? Are you desperate for an encounter with him? No matter what wrong you have done, no matter what sins you have committed, it doesn't even matter. Because Jesus is here. Jesus is here in this building, and he's also wherever you are tuning in from tonight. And he sees your desperate state. He sees you climbing and running and making that effort. He sees your desperation, and he's not concerned about what you've done, but he's here to honor you. You know, Bethany, there's some people that are watching that, uh, that can relate to what you have talked about here. You know, um, David, when he became king, he said, isn't there anyone of the house of Saul? And they brought Mephibosheth out of Lodabar, out of a trash heap, and brought him, even though that he was crippled, and put him at the king's table. And that's what you're talking about here, that you begin to see your identity. You know, it's almost as though Mephibosheth lost his identity. But David restored his identity by bringing him back. And I believe as believers, that's what we need to do, is we need to see the identity or the lineage you know, we're, we're, we're children of God. We're uh, Abraham's seed. We're all of these things. But, but if we feel like we've lost our identity, then we become isolated in a trash heap. But it takes someone to identify us to pull us out. I believe there's some people that are watching today that are hurting inside because of rejection and because of maybe, maybe their own failures or, or maybe people keep bringing up things up to them to show their shortcomings. Why don't you pray for them today? Uh, you know, you've got this, this anointing on you for that right now. And so I think it'd be good for you to pray for people like that. God, we just thank you. I thank you, God, for your people. I thank you, Jesus, that you know every situation that we're facing tonight, every seemingly impossible situation. We come against and we bind a spirit of rejection. We thank you that you are the lifter of our head. You are the dispeller of shame. God, I thank you that in your presence, so oh God, that we are accepted, that we are not rejected. Lord, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will help us to even physically lift our head up high and not to lift it down. That even in the way that, that we interact with other people, it's going to change because we know who we are in you. We know who, who you say that we are. God, we thank you that you're pulling out our 
Christ identity. God, that you would help us, oh God, to overcome every fear. We come against every every demonic spirit of fear right now. That's It's not of you, God. It's a Amen. demonic spirit. Lord, and we just thank you that you've given yes, us Lord. boldness, oh God. You, God, we thank you that you have caused us to triumph in every, uh, every situation, oh God. Yes, I thank you that greater are those that are with us than those that are against us. Lord, and I thank you that no matter what people may be saying against us, the people that are talking or speaking things or whatever, uh, God, that, that you are greater. God, and, and we just thank you. I thank you that um, as I was reminded about uh, as we were coming here tonight, God, uh, Prophet Kim Clement saying that tomorrow about this time, things are going to change. Yeah. And I just, that is so in my spirit that I believe God. And I prophesy that even tonight that there are impossible situations that tomorrow about this time, yes. about 8, 18 PM tomorrow, that things are going to change. Yes. And I thank you for yes. that. I thank yes. you, God, God, that you have not created us to fail. And we silence the mouth of the enemy. We silence the mouth of the enemy that would try to make Make us feel that we are defeated. I thank you that we are more than conquerors. We are more than overcomers. I thank you that your Holy Spirit would begin to rise within us at a greater level. I thank you for angelic visitations, dreams, and visions, oh God. In Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that you are going to begin to speak to us in the midnight hour, that you're going to wake us up, oh God, and that we would write things down and visions and creative ideas. God, new businesses. In Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you that even Herman and Amanda right now, that there's more businesses that are going to be launched even thank in this God. next season. Thank God, that you've, you're going to wake them up even in the night hour. Thank God, there's you. visions, there's dreams, there's multiple streams of income that's coming in. They've only scratched the surface of what you have yet to do and your plans for them. God, I just thank you for that, for acceleration uh, in that, God, and that you would bring the right uh, investors into their life, Lord Jesus. God, I just thank you, God, for finances to come. Oh God, I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you begin to, uh, uh, to begin to turn situations around that seem impossible. Oh God, God, those that are tormented at night, God, that you begin to speak, uh, we just speak peace over them. We God, we just thank you that you be able to help them to sleep well, God, for whoever it is that has an issue with their back, there's a, somebody tuning in that has a back or maybe even in here, but there's, uh, some bad, we just speak to, um, everything in, in the the spinal cord, all the discs to line up properly, no surgery, but it's going to be a miracle in Jesus name. We just thank you for that, for the Holy Spirit to begin to move things around, to begin to even creative miracles right now for someone who has knee issues, that there is a knee surgery even scheduled, um, that the Holy Spirit is just downloading this, that there's a knee surgery. I think it's on the right knee. Uh, let me know, tune it. If you're tuning in and that's you just write us in. Um, but we just pray for that knee for all of the fluid, um, to, to just be drained and to just dissipate and for the inflammation to be gone in Jesus' name. God, and that there would be a complete healing, there would be a complete miracle uh, for diabetes, those that suffer with diabetes. For there to be a miracle, we just speak to that in Jesus' name. We come against every demonic force that would try to slow us down in this season, uh, that would try to wear us out. God, we, we need supernatural energy in this season to run, yes. to run fast, to think, to think fast with wisdom. God, that you would give it to us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. What a powerful uh, time of sharing we've had tonight. Um, as the Lord directs next week, I'm going to share uh, some from Psalms chapter 116. And I encourage you, if you have a chance, to read that passage. 
Um, I know we focus a lot on Psalms 91 when we go through different challenges and by when the pandemic began, we were seeing that scripture everywhere. We, we did a teaching on it. I remember from our home um, in the first few weeks of the pandemic uh, from Psalms 91 and almost every ministry I was hearing was doing that. But I, God's really been speaking to me this week um, and from Psalms 116 and you might want to check that out. What a challenge that we've received tonight. I loved the sharing. Uh, my husband began by sharing about challenging, challenging us to grow spiritually by getting into the Word, the study of the Word. And that was pretty much echoed by the things that uh, Josh was sharing when he was uh, sharing with us earlier and talking about e even the, the times of prayer and getting involved in prayer and, 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 and getting in, in a place of, of intimacy with God. And then Bethany came in and shared and challenged us, are we desperate for God? We must be desperate for Him. We allow our passions to rise about other things we want in life. But the most important thing is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I, I trust that you did follow as she led in prayer and challenged you earlier to accept Christ and thankful for the flow of the Holy Spirit on this broadcast. He's there with you wherever you are right now, and he wants you to become intimate with him. Give him that opportunity to lead you every step of the way in every aspect of your life. We love you, and we pray God's richest blessings upon you. Remember, we'll have services Sunday morning in location at our church in Gonzales, 9 a.m., Church in New Orleans, 11 a.m., and we'll also be coming to you online Sunday. And share these messages with others so that they too can be challenged to draw closer to the Lord. God has a miracle for you. He loves you. He sees you right where you are. Make sure that you connect with us through our website at praisechurchoflouisiana.com. If you were watching last night and you want to get some of the books, we referred a lot tonight about the Holy Spirit, some of the books that my mom was sharing about on our broadcast last night, make sure that you get in touch with us and let us know. We pray that you have a great rest of the week. We love you. and We're praying for you. Hang in there. Things are going to get better. God bless you. We'll see you soon.